Welcome to Sparrow Speaks, the podcast with the latest health news and information from Sparrow, MidMichigan's premier community healthcare leader. I'm your host, Deborah Howell, and today we'll be talking about pelvic floor disorders, especially in women. Our guest is Dr. Jamie Bartley, a urologist with Sparrow Medical Group Urology. Welcome, Dr. Bartley. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So here's the thing. Women have urology issues, too, and urologists don't just treat men, as some people think. Why did you want to focus mainly on women for this podcast? Well, so going through medical school and learning about urology, I really found that there was a need for female urologists. Whenever I talk about what I do, people often are surprised because they don't realize that there are so many women with so many issues in urology. And there's just really a big need for that. And I do think that as a woman treating other women, we have a little bit of a different perspective and can understand and empathize and hopefully provide better care as a result. I love it. And speaking of urinary incontinence, weren't we? It is a very common problem affecting one in six adults or 37 million Americans. And it's really not a normal part of aging and treatments are available. I'm hoping you can tell us about some of these treatments. Okay, well, gosh, how long do we have? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So incontinence, like you said, is really, really common. And unfortunately, it's one of those issues that women just really don't talk about a lot. In fact, a lot of women actually will suffer in silence for many years before they come see someone. I also think as physicians, we're not always the best at asking those questions. Primary care providers are so busy with hypertension and diabetes and, you know, all the other medical issues that sometimes quality of life issues such as urinary incontinence gets kind of overlooked. And that's where I come in and There's a couple different types of incontinence, and so it's really important to understand the difference. One of the more common types of incontinence is what we call an overactive bladder, and that's what happens when it occurs with urgency or frequency. A lot of times there's issues with waking up several times at night, and often it occurs without any specific underlying cause, and it's just kind of a normal process that the bladder undergoes as we age and get older. And there are a lot of treatments for that. So we have nine different bladder control medicines that are available to treat an overactive bladder. And there's also procedures that are available if medications don't work. So the other type of leakage that happens is when you have leaks, when you cough, sneeze, laugh, run, jump, exercise. And again, this is a very common issue, and we see this a lot in women who've had pregnancies, vaginal deliveries, again, just aging, tissue weakening. And this is something that can be treated with more of a surgical approach. Got it. Now, pelvic floor and vaginal support defects can occur as a result of pregnancy and vaginal deliveries and surgeries and even menopause, but a variety of treatments exist, and I'm hoping you'll tell us about some of these treatments, including surgical and non-surgical options. Okay, sure. So pelvic floor defects, those are what we would consider a prolapse, and that's what happens when the support of either the bladder, the uterus, or the rectal walls have weakened. And what happens is women will often present with a bulge sensation, so they almost feel like something's coming out of the vaginal area. 
First, it's really important to just see somebody about it because there is a lot of fear and concern over this. And I think one of the most reassuring things to know is that this is not a life-threatening, serious health concern. But again, it's one of those quality of life issues that can be really, really upsetting. So it's important to get evaluated, have a proper exam by a urologist or a gynecologist, or even starting with your internal medicine doctor or family practice physician. They should be able to do an exam and kind of explain what's going on. And then once that happens, there are treatment options from just observing and kind of monitoring symptoms. There are inserts that are available that we can fit you for to kind of hold everything back up in position. And then we have, again, surgical procedures to repair these. And we do surgeries through the vagina. And we also do robotic, minimally invasive surgeries for some women who have significant prolapse. And do you yourself do both types of surgery? Yeah, I do. So I think one of the great things that I enjoyed about my training was I learned kind of all the different ways to approach prolapse repair. And so it really gives women the option of the best type of treatment for them and for their goals. So we try to do kind of some shared decision making when we're talking about explaining the diagnosis and then going through the treatment options. So I like to be able to offer multiple different procedures. Sure. Now, men have pelvic floor and bladder issues as well, and a female urologist like yourself also sees men to help with these issues. One of the issues is male voiding dysfunction. Can you describe this issue for us? Oh, yeah, sure. So that kind of goes along with the overactive bladder that we see in women. So a leaky bladder is kind of thought to be a problem of women, but we see, especially as men get older, issues with urinary urgency, frequency, and then urge incontinence, which is leakage that can't be deferred when the sensation comes. So we see that, again, oftentimes it has to do with an enlarged prostate. So we can evaluate men for that issue, and we offer, again, medications and surgeries to help with that. There can also be issues in men with bladder emptying, And when that happens, that puts the bladder health at risk as well as the kidney health. So that's really important if there's any issues with a slowed urinary stream or waking up at night a lot to go to the bathroom or just kind of the sensation that there's still a little bit left over after you have already urinated. That's something that should definitely be evaluated and checked out. Okay. And what is normal at night? Say you go to bed at 10, 30, 11, uh, and you wake up at 6, 7. How many times should you get up? Normal nighttime voiding is usually only about one time. And that's kind of what I tell my patients is if we get you down to one, then we're probably doing pretty good, especially as we age and get older. There's other issues that interfere with sleep, but two, three, four times a night, that's definitely abnormal. And we should be able to improve upon that because when you don't sleep, nothing else feels good the next day. So sleep is really important. And waking up at night is actually one of the number one risks of falls in elderly patients. So it's really important that we try to get you sleeping and not waking up to have to use the restroom. Got it. All right. I suppose that's one of the more rewarding aspects is to see people's sleep patterns improve and then therefore their lives improve. It is great. And having sleep issues is, like I said, it's a pretty big overall effect on your quality of life. So we can get patients sleeping better. They just feel better. They have more energy to do things. And yeah, it's definitely rewarding. It's also very challenging because there's often not just urologic issues when there's sleep issues, but that's where it's really important that we can work together with the primary physician and other specialties involved as well. So in the patient care. That's wonderful to hear that you're not in silos, that you do work with the whole team for the whole patient, right? 
Yep, definitely, definitely. Is there anything else you'd like to add to our discussion today? The main thing would be that bladder and urologic issues, there's a there's kind of a stigma around it and a lot of people, you know, we're kind of embarrassed to talk about it. And I think one of the things that I'd like to get across maybe today on the podcast as well as seeing patients is that there really shouldn't be and it's something that if you're able to express and kind of talk about that you'll really be rewarded and have improvement in your symptoms. And there's a lot of things that can be done and you don't have to suffer in silence. And there are a lot of things that we can do to help you. Yeah. And final question, when is it time to see a urologist? Anytime that you are having symptoms that are not getting better. So again, if you are having issues with bladder leakage, painful urination, again, just affecting quality of life, then it's definitely time to at least bring up the issue with your family physician, internal medicine physician, and ask them about a referral to seeing a urologist. Another thing that I would say would be is if you've tried one or two medications for bladder leakage or incontinence issues, then probably a third or a fourth isn't going to really help you. So you definitely need to have a specialist come in there and see what other options might be available and what else might be going on. That's right. Bring in the A-team. Okay. (laughs) Well, Dr. Bartley, thank you so much for all your expertise and for being with us today. We really appreciate your time. Sure. Thanks for having me. To learn more about the services from Sparrow Urology, please visit sparrow.org slash urology. And be sure to subscribe to Sparrow Speaks in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts for our additional healthcare topics. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Thank you so much for listening, and have yourself a terrific day.